John chapter 13, verses 31 to 38. Let me read it for us. It'll come up on screen as well. When Judas had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, Jesus said, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lead on my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. This is the word of the Lord. We're in the second series of a second week of a sermon series titled Just Before the Cross. Uh, in the series, we are preaching through the farewell discourse of Jesus that is given to us in John chapters 13 through 17. At the beginning of John chapter 13, as we saw last week, Jesus knew that his hour had come for him to die on the cross and then to rise again from the dead and to ascend into heaven. So in these four chapters, just before his arrest, Jesus taught his disciples some crucial lessons in order to prepare them for a time that he would no longer be physically present with them. And as we began, as we saw when we began the series last week, we too live in a season where Jesus is not physically present with us. So what he taught his disciples in John chapter 13 to 17 is extremely helpful for us as well. And that's why the series Last week, we looked at the first half of John, chapter 13, where Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. And today, we're going to be looking at the second part of the chapter, where Jesus further unpacks more teaching about washing the feet of his disciples. And the crux of the passage that we read is the new commandment that Jesus gave to his disciples and to us too. Verse 34 and 35, a new command I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, Jesus said, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That's really the, the essence, the central theme of this passage. So I'd like to draw three things out for us from this why is this a new commandment? Jesus said, a new commandment I give you. Why is this a new commandment? Why is this a hard commandment? And how do we live this out daily? Three things. Why is this new? Why is this hard? How do we live this out daily? Let's start with the first. 
why is this a new commandment why did jesus say this is a new commandment love one another is is hardly a new com- commandment this was even a part of the law that god gave through moses hundreds of years before christ leviticus 19:18 if you the passage will come up for us on screen god said but you shall love your neighbor as yourself and jesus too earlier on in his ministry he had reiterated this very same theme mark chapter 12 30 and you shall love the lord with lord your god with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind with all your strength and the second command is this jesus said you shall love your neighbor as yourself so why is this a new commandment what is really new about it you know if it was just some bible commentator saying it's a new commandment we could have skipped past it but this is jesus this is christ himself who's saying this is a new commandment verse 34 in john chapter 10 john chapter 13 a new commandment i give you jesus said so if jesus says something is a new commandment we we'd better pay attention and and consider what is new about this i'm going to quickly unpack five reasons why this is indeed a new commandment quickly first this creates a new baseline for loving one another the old old the earlier old testament baseline was love your neighbors as yourself jesus is now shifting the goal post and his commandment is new because he gives us a new and a significantly higher baseline of how we are to love one another we are to love one another as christ loved us and if you recollect from last week's message jesus loved his disciples to the end by washing the feet of his disciples and we saw last week that this washing was symbolic of Christ's death on the cross and his blood washing giving washing us into salvation and so jesus loved us by laying his life down for us and we too are to love one another by laying our lives for one another this is the new baseline for love i hope you're feeling the weight of this i am it's it's not an easy commandment we're going to come to that in a bit the second reason this is a new commandment is that in this command jesus prepared his disciples for a new reality look at verses 33 and 34 it'll come up for us on screen and if you paraphrase these two verses this is how it reads i'm going to go away from you jesus said you will be without my physical presence in the world therefore love one another as i have loved you do you see the implications of this what jesus really meaning it's almost as if jesus is saying we are to be the representatives of christ to one another i'm going to go away from you physically jesus said therefore love one another as i have loved you in other words in his physical absence from the from this world jesus is dwelling spiritually in our love for one another by his spirit jesus is dwelling in the space between us this is the new reality and which is why jesus is saying 
this is a new commandment. The third reason Jesus is saying this is a new commandment is because he's inaugurating a new covenant community. Over the last couple of years, we've been talking more and more of this beautiful biblical doctrine called union with Christ. Biblically, we must not see our salvation as anything less than a union with Christ. Most of the time, we all tend to think of our salvation as as forgiveness of sins, or justification, or adoption. Sure, our salvation is all of this, but our salvation is more than all of this. Our salvation, by faith, brings about our union with Christ. Now, if it is indeed true that we are in union with Christ, by virtue of our union with Christ, we are also in union with one another. We are members of one another, as Romans chapter 12 tells us. Third reason why this is a new commandment. It's a new covenant community that Jesus is initiating. Fourth, and extremely important, this is a new commandment because Jesus is giving us a new framework for mission to the world. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another, Jesus said. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. In Christ, our love for one another will show the world that we are the disciples of Christ, therefore drawing people to Christ. So this is a missional command. But the Old Testament command of love your neighbor as yourself was also a missional command in the sense that when the Old Testament believers, when they loved their neighbors, their neighbors saw the love and glory of God. And so the Old Testament was also a missional command. So how is the New Testament command that Jesus gave new? How is it different? And here's the difference. The Old Testament command of love your neighbor as yourself was an individual command. It was to have been lived out individually. But Jesus' commandment is a new one because this is not a mission of separate individuals, but this is a mission of a gospel community where its members love one another deeply, and by that love, we draw people to Christ. This is a new commandment. The fourth reason this is a new commandment is because it has moved missions from a merely individual goal to also a community goal. Of course, we have an individual mission responsibility, but we also move together even more in community. So let me recap the reasons, quickly recap why the four reasons is a fifth, why this is a new commandment. First, this commandment gives us a new baseline for love. This commandment ushers in us into a new reality. This commandment gives us, calls us to a new covenantal community. And this commandment gives us a new framework for mission. And there's a fifth reason why this is a new commandment. And I'm going to come back to this fifth reason at the end of the sermon. For now, let's move to the second thing that I wanted to draw out for us from the passage. And this is what I really wanted to dwell on. This is what I wanted to invite us to reflect on this morning. Why is this a hard commandment? Just as I have loved you, Jesus said, you are to love one another. 
if I send out a Google form, how many of you are going to sign up for just loving one another as Jesus loved us? Christ loved us by laying his life down for us. How many of us will sign up to do the same? Why is it so hard? Why is it seemingly almost impossible? Why does it feel impossible to love one another as Christ loved us? To begin with, let's not even talk about loving as Christ loved us. Let's, let's start this conversation by just talking about loving one another, just basic loving one another. In a city like Mumbai, where everybody is busy, 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 even this basic loving one another is so hard. And I hope we're not blaming it just on busyness. Deep down, we'll all realize that beneath the busyness is our own selfishness. We do find it hard to love one another. When I, when I say love, I don't mean liking each other's posts on Instagram. I don't mean sending hugs and heart symbols on, on WhatsApp messages. When I say love one another, I mean deep, genuine love. Love that will show up physically when another is sick. Love that will listen and listen patiently and empathize to another who is in emotional turmoil. And love that will also speak the truth in love into that turmoil. Why is this so hard? There's a cultural reason that this is so hard, and there's a spiritual reason that this is so hard. Let me talk about the cultural reason first. Almost 200 years ago, a Frenchman named Alexis de Tocqueville, I, I, I speak no French, so if I pronounce it wrongly, forgive me. So Alexis de Tocqueville, uh, Almost 200 years ago, he studied American society. And when he studied American society, he was shocked by how fiercely individualistic Americans were, even in that culture, even at that time. And this is what he wrote. He was a philosopher. He said, reflecting on American society and how people lived there almost 200 years ago, he said, they owe no man anything and hardly expect anything from anybody. They form the habit of thinking of themselves in isolation and imagine their whole destiny is in their hands. Does that sound familiar? Does that strike a chord with how we go about building our lives? And I guess, as, as we all know, Western individualism has only grown more and more worse over the past 200 years. My apologies to our American friends here. And quite obviously, Western individualism has crept, in to, crept, crept its way into India too. But our generation, all of us, specifically this generation, this cultural moment we are all living in, all of us, we have a love-hate relationship with individualism. We love individualism because it gives us the freedom to do what we want, when we want, and how we want. But at the same time, subconsciously, all of us also hate 
individualism because individualism leaves us lonely. The more individualistic we are, the more likely we are to feel lonely. Fierce individualism, for example, will make it really, really, really hard to come to marriage. We want love, but we will be very hesitant about the commitment and, and the absolute sacrifice that marriage most certainly involves. And our loneliness is, is quite often a, a result of our own choices. And if you really think of how this generation, all of us, how we have embraced individualism, we have to kind of consider that individualism is actually culturally alien to us. For centuries, for hundreds and hundreds of years, we have lived in joint families. We have lived in closely knit communities. If that's our history... If that's our heritage, if that's our psyche, why did we so foolishly rush in to embrace individualism? We did this because our families and our communities and even our churches had become way too controlling. Over the last 20, 25 years or so, as India's socioeconomic profile has changed drastically, as the challenges and the fears and the insecurities of city life have, ex have increased exponentially, families and churches and communities have all become more controlling. Parents control their children more and more because they're afraid that the big bad city will corrupt their children, rightly so. Many churches have become controlling. Many churches... Simply focus on don't do this, don't do this, don't do that. This is bad, this is bad, this is very bad. All because of a fear of what lies outside. But sadly, such suffocating control has only made us foolishly run towards an individualism that inevitably breeds loneliness. Think about this. Culturally, we are a generation that is being squeezed between controlling community on the one hand and lonely individualism on the other. It seems to us that we have only two choices and both seems to be bad choices. If we go back, if we go back to our roots, we have to go back to suffocating and controlling community, even churches. Suffocating community is where every aunt will have absolute freedom to tell you when you should get married to who you should get married to. So we don't want to go back. But if we move forward, if we move forward into Western individualism, we so instinctively seem to love, we have to move forward into a reality of a depressing state of loneliness. There is no doubt, there can be no doubt that the only logical conclusion of individualism is deep loneliness of the soul. So this is a cultural moment we're all living in, squeezed between suffocating community and lonely individualism. Is there a way out? 
Is there another way? Is there a third way? Yes, there is. The new covenant community of Jesus, where we have this precious gift of loving one another as Christ loved us, that is the third way. You see, a true gospel community of Christ, a good gospel community of, of Christ in the local church, a good local church, will neither be controlling nor will it be individualistic. And there is this beautiful third way of the gospel where we are given this incredibly precious gift of loving one another as Christ loved us. Christ was not controlling, nor was he individualistic. But he loved us by laying his life down for us. He loved us by washing the feet of his disciples and our feet in that sense. Was, the washing, was Christ washing the feet, feet controlling? No, not at all. Did it promote individualism? No, not at all. It is neither. And the gospel, loving one another as Christ loved us, the love of Christ compelling us to love one another, that is the third way that your soul and mine is deeply longing for. We're all figuring this out. Somewhere we know this intuitively. We may not be able to articulate it, but we know it, and we're trying to figure this out. Some of us, especially those of us who are slightly older, we know we are vulnerable to being more controlling. Deep down, we regret that. And some of us, especially those of us who are younger, we know we are vulnerable to being individualistic. Not only do we know it, we know it's wrong. We, we're regretting deep inside. We know it. And we are all as a community, doesn't matter where in the continuum we stand, we are all trying to figure out what gospel community really look like, looks like. All of us need and will always need the grace of Christ to figure this out. So this is the cultural reason where specifically we as Indians, we struggle to obey this command, new command of Jesus to love one another as Christ loved us. As I said, there's also a spiritual reason why we find it hard to love one another as Christ loved us. In verses 34 to 36, it will come up on the slide. Look at this interaction between Jesus and Peter. Peter again. Jesus in 34 and 35, Jesus has just given his disciples this great and compelling commandment. You cannot hear this commandment from Jesus and not take note. And not pause to reflect on the reality of it. Not pause to reflect on the weight of it. But rather than consider this command, look at Peter's response. 36. Peter completely ignores. He outright ignores this command and simply moves right past it. He completely discards this command to love one another. Instead, he focuses only on Jesus. Jesus gives the command in verse 35 and in verse 36, rather than consider the command, Peter says, Lord, where are you going? 
He's moved on. This command, love one another as Christ loved, loved you, did not even merit a second of his attention. He's just moved on. Where are you going? Jesus. Peter wants Jesus, but Peter does not want this commandment to love one another. He totally ignores this commandment. In one sense, every one of us, we are all also like Peter. We all want Christ to love us unconditionally, but we want to be under no obligation whatsoever to love anyone else as Christ loved us. This is our sin of individualism. In our deep subconscious thinking, most of us, we only want Christ. We do not want gospel community. And this is the spiritual reason we struggle to love one another as Christ loved us. But as I said earlier, if we are indeed in union with Christ by virtue of our salvation by faith, then we are also in union with one another. The gospel does not work in any other way. And that brings us to the last thing that I would like us to consider from this passage. How do we live this out daily? How do we live this out? This new command, this hard command, how do we live this out daily? First, first we need the healing of Christ where we are feeling the resentment at being controlled. And we need the forgiveness of Christ where we have been individualistic. We were sinned against when our families and our communities and even our churches have tried to control us. And we have also sinned and we are continuing to sin where we live individualistic lifestyles. And only Jesus... Only Jesus can help us in both. Only Jesus can wash away your hurt at being controlled for decades sometimes. Consciously controlled, subconsciously controlled. Even when the control is gone, you are imprisoned by the control and you're still living as if someone's controlling you even though they are not. Only He can wash away that hurt. And only Jesus can wash away the sin of individualism, the deeply self-centered lives we are all hell-bent on living. Only Jesus can bring us forgiveness and freedom from this curse of individualism. Look to Jesus. Cling to Him. Consider how He laid down His life for us. Call your heart to daily remember that Christ died for our sins and rose again from the dead as proof that we have indeed been forgiven of our sins. So Christ brings healing. Christ brings forgiveness. Healing for the resentment we feel at being controlled. Forgiveness for the individualistic lives, lives that every one of us, myself included, we continue to live. But still, mere healing and mere forgiveness cannot yet give us the power to love each other as Christ loved us. It's not enough to give us this power. So, 
how are we going to live like this every day? And, and that answer is right here in this passage. And it is a glorious answer. Jesus gave his disciples this new commandment to love one another soon after washing the feet of his disciples. If you remember from, from last week's sermon, when he was washing the feet of Peter, he said something really interesting to Peter. The moment Peter sees Jesus coming to wash his feet, Peter says, no, 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 you're not, you, you'll never wash my feet, Lord. And then Jesus says something interesting to Peter. I hope you remember that from last week. We unpacked it last week. John chapter 13, verse 8. Peter said to Jesus, you will never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. If I do not wash you, Jesus said, you have no share with me. We saw last week that Jesus washing the feet of his disciples was pointing to the coming salvation that he would bring. Jesus has to wash us for us to have a share in him. Jesus has to wash us of our sins for us to have a share in him. Stay with me here, please. This is the key. I believe this is really the key to answer the question, how do we live this new commandment out daily? If I do not wash you, Jesus said, you have no share with me. How would you rephrase this the other way around? Say the same truth the other way around. If I wash you, Jesus said, you will have a share with me. If Jesus said, if I don't wash you, you don't have a share with me, the implication is that if Jesus washes us, we have a share with him. And we are all washed by Jesus, those of us who believe in Christ. We are washed by Jesus and we have a share with him. But but what exactly does having a share with him or having a part with him, what, what does that really mean? As we saw earlier, our salvation necessarily means union with Christ. So when Jesus washes us and say, that says that we have a part in him, we have union with Christ. If Jesus has washed us, then we have union with him. And, and the next logical question to ask is, what happens when we have a share with him? What happens when we enjoy and when we enter into a union with Christ? What happens? Simple. When we are in union with Christ, His nature becomes our nature. Because we are in union with Him, His nature becomes our nature. When Christ's nature becomes our nature, we automatically start loving others as Christ loved us. And this love is not a mere change in behavior, but Christ brings about a very change in our nature because our old nature is gone and we now have the new nature of Christ. This doesn't happen overnight. This happens slowly and this continues happening over our entire lifetime. But as His nature becomes more and more our nature because we are washed and we have a share with him and we have a union with him. As his nature becomes more and more our nature, we are enabled 
to love one another as Christ loved us. And here's the beauty of the gospel. Jesus put an end to vain human striving. We don't have to strive to love one another. We don't have to manufacture this love. And truth be told, all of us know that we could never manufacture this love even if we wanted to. It won't last more than a couple of days. You know it. I know it. But as Christ's nature becomes our nature, we start loving others, one another, more and more as Christ loved us. Now let me give you the fifth reason why this is a new commandment. When Jesus said, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. Now let me show you why this is a new commandment. This new commandment comes with a new power to live it out. The last song that we sung, you give me the strength to obey your command. None of your commands I can obey apart from your strength. I've forgotten the exact words. We're going to sing that in a bit. This new commandment is new because it comes with new gospel power. Christ's command to love one another as he loved us also comes with the power of his very nature in us. And this, and only this, can enable us to live out this command. This morning, would you, would you open your hearts wide? Shall we put our faith in Jesus and receive this power through the nature of Christ to love one another as Christ loved us. I want to close with a prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed. He prayed this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 12 to 13. I want to close with that prayer. Come up for us on screen. And may the Lord, may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another. Shall we make this our prayer? May the Lord make you increase and abound in your love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Father, we thank you that your word comes into our hearts by your spirit with power of your very nature, nature being formed in us. It is already there, but you're continuing to perfect it. And we pray, Lord, we pray with faith, we pray with repentance. Help us to grow in our love for one another, all of us here in New City Church, that by our love for one another, BKC and the city of Mumbai and the entire country would know that we are your disciples, Lord Jesus, and they would be drawn to saving faith in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.